Thanks for taking the time to listen to our latest content here on the Blood Red channel. Guy here with just a quick message. Do you want the very latest Liverpool FC news directly into your inbox? Well then sign up to our daily LFC newsletter, which will bring you the breaking news and big events from around Anfield. To subscribe, just go to bit.ly forward slash LFC newsletter. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash LFC newsletter. Or click the link in the description of this podcast and pop in your email address. It really is that simple. That link once more bit.ly forward slash LFC newsletter. Well, thanks for your time and on with the podcast. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Blood Red podcast on the day that the UK government have given the go-ahead for Premier League to return at the earliest possible date of the 1st of June. This is the Blood Red podcast. I'm Guy Clark and alongside me, Paul Gorst, Matt Addison and Ian Doyle as we get ready to talk all about when Premier League football could return and just how it could be done as Premier League clubs have been in crunch meetings all throughout the day with no official word from the Premier League but we are going to divulge what we know so far and talk about when football may return. As I say, Paul Gorst, Ian Doyle and Matt Addison alongside me. Gorsty, we've been waiting a, uh, a long, long time today to hear from the Premier League, but news has been trickling out. And of course, around lunchtime, there was that key news from the government that the earliest possible date that elite level sport could return, even behind closed doors, would be the 1st of June. Yeah, I don't think it's any great shock, really. I think for quite a while now that that uh, date June the eighth seems to be the one that's seen to be taken as the you know the tentative return to the Premier League. No official word from from any of the football authorities at this stage. They've been careful not to put any further dates on it after initially saying it's going to be the sixth of April and then the thirtieth. And I think everyone knew at the time for both of those dates that it was a little bit optimistic and that would need to be pushed back. So since then they've been very reluctant to give any specific dates and that um continues to this day, doesn't it? But I think today Today's announcement from the government is just a little bit of a, a nod towards that June 8th that does seem to have been reported in, in several several outlets over the last couple of weeks, and it would make sense. So um, you wouldn't expect it to come back on the 1st, give it another week after that, June 8th. Um, they're still on course to, to return on that date. So where are we now? A little, just a little shy of a month before um, the, the return of football. It's going to be behind closed doors. I think we all know that. Um, it's just an issue over where these games are going to be played. Um, that seems to be... It's a sticking point at the moment, and I know there's been a report coming out today that suggests that um, neutral venues won't actually be the way forward, and teams have been reluctant to agree to it because they think it somehow gives them less of an advantage playing from home. Teams who are struggling down the bottom, scrapping to avoid relegation, don't really see the, the, the difference um, it makes if there's no fans there, but sure, we'll, we'll argue those merits in a couple of minutes. But yeah, um, June 8th, no, no official word yet, but it does seem to be the the finger pointing towards that date at the moment. Yeah, Doily, just on the dates and everything, for those who have lost track of days of the week and all, all of dates, 11th of May today, so in four weeks' time then is the 8th of June, that week commencing it. Looks as though the Premier League may even start on the 12th of June, that Friday at the end of that week. But I suppose with the go-ahead from the government to say, of course, if the situation does improve by the 1st of June, that... Premier League football could return then, whether or not it'd be best to, to sort of start 
when therefore it is possible to go from that date because I'm, I'm sure we could have other setbacks of teams going into quarantine and whatnot where games are going to have to be crammed into quite a, a short space of time. Well, that's a problem that they're going to have to sort out before the, the, the hiccup ball. I think that's another argument entirely. I think in terms of the dates, yeah, I think it was the Times and the Telegraph. They're obviously well connected with what's been going on all the way through this. And they're saying that June the 12th, the Friday, is the date that they're, they're looking at to restart it. I mean, personally speaking, I don't understand why they can't just play the two outstanding games first and then carry on from that. Because then if you've managed to get through, was it Manchester City against... Arsenal and uh, Sheffield United against Villa. If you get them out of the way, then everybody's played the same amount of games. Then you can you can go from there. I think they'd be they would be daft not to do that. I mean, they haven't got that far down the road in terms of deciding who's going to be playing when because we know that Liverpool and Everton's first game back is against each other at Goodison. So if if indeed that gets played at Goodison, so I mean you're right. I mean the, the news that we've been hearing is that I mean all, all the way through the the last few possibly the last week, 10 days, is that there have been this group of six teams that have been against playing at neutral venues, who it turns out are the bottom six. And obviously that's self-interest. But interestingly, something that's emerged today is that um, there are at least another six other clubs who are against it. And part of the reason is to do with sponsorship in terms of naming rights of, of stadiums, because they want their stadium name to be used for when the game's getting played. I mean, Manchester City, the Etihad. That, that's sponsorship, isn't it? So you would assume that they would be one, whether Liverpool or because, you know, they, the stadium isn't, you know, Anfield isn't, doesn't have naming rights, but we're just guessing at that point it's whether Liverpool one of the teams against it. But it stands to reason that the ones that do have the, the names of the stadiums named after sponsors would be the ones who would be a little bit upset with it. And again, look, it's come down to money again, hasn't it? It always comes down to money. I mean, I, I wrote something... Um, the other yesterday, yesterday or today, I don't know. They're all just merging into one, aren't they? But <laughs> it was one of the days recently. But if it wasn't to do with money, the Premier League would have finished by now. They'd have just called it and said, "This is what's happening," and that's what they've done with a lot of other leagues. But money—the reason that money is so important because it keeps people employed. And if if we don't carry on, or at least this be seen to try to carry on, there'll be a lot of people who may be in a bit of bother in not too you know short amount of time, which is precisely the reason why League One, League Two have finished because it's better for them financially. So. It's always money, but yeah, it is. It is. It was interesting. That I agree with Gorsty about what the government said earlier today. Nobody was surprised by that. I don't think anybody expected anything to be happening in the next couple of weeks. I think the next thing is, I believe there's going to be a meeting between the, the Premier League and the government at some point this week. There's obviously that working group that not just football, but you're looking at, you know, the likes of cricket and, and rugby league and rugby union and tennis and all of the, and all the sports like that. They're keen to resume. So... Something's going to happen this week, whether or not the Premier League get their, um, what they want. Obviously, they, they would rather play at their home grounds. I don't know because, again, it comes, that comes down to what the police say as well. And the, the whole argument has been keeping fans away from stadiums that games are getting played at. Well, do you think that fans can stay away? I mean, the, I mean, people have shown reasonably that they can stay away from certain parts of society for the good of everybody else. So I can't see why they, they shouldn't be able just to stay away from a football ground, especially when... They can't see it. And if they're staying at home, they'll be able to watch it on television. Yeah, it certainly does seem to to be logical. Matt, I suppose then, the ball's firmly now in the Premier League's court in terms of we've heard from the government saying that this June 1st would work in with the project restart restart idea of the 8th or, or 12th of June within that week. It is now a case of waiting to hear officially from the Premier League. Yeah, exactly that. And I mean, we, we had hoped that today would be the day that 
we got a little bit more from the Premier League officially rather than things that have sort of started to, to trickle out across the national media. But obviously that hasn't been the case up to now. And I think the, the most important line from today is that the government have, have come out and, and backed this. I think, you know, as Doily said, that was always likely to be the case. We, we've heard from, you know, um, Culture Secretary Oliver Dowden over the last few weeks, sort of all of his comments have, have pointed towards the government being in favour of, of the Premier League coming back. And I think the, the big thing from today is now that, as you say, it's in the Premier League's court that, you know, the, there's no sort of excuse now for them not to be putting plans in place because it had to come from the top. And that's exactly what's happened today. The government have said that that's OK for them to do that. Um, obviously, after what Boris Johnson sort of said in his slightly muddled and confusing message <laughs> last night that sort of took it on a little bit and I'm not sure how helpful that was in all honesty but uh, we won't go too much into that at, at this stage but yeah I think certainly for, for Premier League fans and, and for Liverpool fans as well it's the next step even though it's a tiny step it is the next step towards Premier League football and, and football in general coming back so it's going to be an interesting week and hopefully this time next week we'll know a little bit more because that May the 25th deadline is is edging a little bit closer. Yeah, Matt mentions that 25th of May deadline, Gorsley, and that obviously what UEFA have set in terms of ahead of their next executive committee meeting on the 27th of May. They want to know when each of the leagues around Europe are planning to conclude their seasons and what time frame they've got in place for that. So, in effect, we could have anywhere up to two weeks, I suppose, of still waiting to actually hear what the Premier League are going to do. Very true, yeah, but I think Matt makes a good point about that. The governments have basically said now, they've obviously put that 1st of June deadline in place, so there's no more kind of um and an ah and, 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 you know, confusion over who's making these big decisions because they've said it can all go ahead from that date onwards. So now it's in the Premier League's hands. It's, the clubs have shown a kind of determination to get the season finished, not through some sort of sport and integrity or anything like that. They basically want to get it done because they need that television money. Let's make no bones about it for, you know, the players, the staff, um, people who work there in, in every kind of facet they need this money for, for the job. So um, that's made it a little bit more clearer, but that is interesting, as you say, Guy. I mean, we could be waiting another couple of weeks before there's an official statement on the table that this is when it's going to restart. Here's where it's going to be played and, um, at the moment, we, we were hoping for, for something concrete today and we're still left on, on centre hooks as we're recording this. And I suppose it is difficult. We, you said, Doily, last time that it's a different debate entirely, but given the Bundesliga in Germany are going to start on Friday and Dinamo Dresden are, are one side who have actually, their whole squad gone into quarantine for two weeks, they're going to miss two games that are going to have to get postponed and rescheduled in somewhere else. That is going to have to be a factor that the Premier League think about. It's not just going to be a case of start on the 12th of June and finish at the end of July and we'll have games in all of these dates because this virus, if there's an outbreak at any stage, there will have to be contingencies put in place. True, but it depends on, on how they want to deal with it. I mean, the, the reason that Dresden's done that is because the local authority there in Germany, it's not all over Germany, it's it, it's in, you know, that Dresden's in, is that they've said anybody, you've got to be quarantined for 14 days, anyone you've been around. So that's the law. So... It'd just be interesting to see what happens in terms of, you know, how often players are tested. I would imagine, I would be amazed if the players, before training starts or anything, they get tested and then they have another test a few days later. And if they come clear on both of them, then, OK, you can go. Because then they know definitely 
that they're clear. And if they're, then if they're tested regularly, then you can track it, which, let's be honest, is what should be happening for everybody, let alone footballers. It should be the same for everybody. That's how these things get sorted. But, again, that's another debate entirely. Um, but, yeah, there will have to be contingencies. I think that's the next sticking point. Once the, I mean, they're kind of skirting around it, aren't they? Because this is the one that nobody really wants to get involved with at the moment because they want, they know it's going to happen. You saw, you saw what happened in Spain this week. They had, I think it was eight... Uh, people tested positive from the first two divisions. Five of them were players. And the Spanish authority, uh, the head of the Spanish uh, FA, can't remember his name at the moment, but he said, well, to be honest, that we thought that was a good result. We expected there to be more going off the amount of people that were tested positive in the Bundesliga, which has had a much lesser outbreak than they've had in Spain. And you'd say that Spain's is probably on a par with with the UK, and probably the UK is, is now, it's marginally, it's marginally worse than has happened in Spain. So... It will be interesting to see. We saw the story of the Brighton players, two of them earlier in during the, the suspension, one of them, I think, recently, possibly of the weekend, or certainly came out of the weekend that they tested positive. I mean, again, it's all ifs and buts because we don't know exactly when it, they're going to start or resume training. I mean, it, it could be this week. It could be whenever. We don't we don't know. Uh, but, yeah, May the 25th is, a, is an interesting date because we will know one way or another what's going to happen. Or just ne- just because they may start the Premier League season doesn't necessarily mean that they'll end up finishing it. And I think that's something that people will have to bear in mind. And I, th- I think it, it will be interesting if it stops halfway through, because at least then all the teams that are struggling at the bottom will have known they're bad for five games to to at least give themselves a bit of a chance. So it will be, yeah, it will be interesting, not least because obviously over the, the weekend it's kind of emerged. It's not been confirmed yet, but the League One and League Two are probably going to stop. And they're going to do points per game home and away. So I think the championship wants to continue again. That'll be television money. So, you know, you're right. It, it is just all about that. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Money does seem to be the, the crucial factor and obviously settling season. So we'll move on to what's coming out from the FA, the role they play. Of course, we've got the broadcasters as one stakeholder, the Premier League clubs as well, but the governing body, the FA, are involved in this as well. And their chairman, Greg Clark, has been quoted as sort of coming out, Matt, and saying that the seasons do have to get settled. Null and void is, is off the table. Nobody wants that. And that this phrase that UEFA used before, sporting merit will have to be used in one way, whether it's games get played out, if that has to be for the safety at neutral venues, effectively trying to force clubs' hands because if you're the likes of Norwich, Aston Villa or Bournemouth, if points per game gets brought in, you know straight away that you're going to be getting relegated. They have said that relegation and promotions should still be taking place. Yeah, it was a story that I think the Times covered last week um, and basically said that that was going to be the case. I think we've known for a little while now that null and void wasn't ever realistically going to be an option. But yeah, in terms of sort of that official confirmation, if you like, from the FA, as you say, to, to say that this has got to be the case. You wonder, you know, how much that will change those teams at the bottom, you know, in terms of the stance that they take. You know, will they suddenly realise that, you know, they don't really have any other choice here, their back is against the wall a little bit, and, and maybe they'll change their stance. Who knows, really? But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, we've all said all along that in an ideal world, you know, the, the league gets finished by playing the matches behind closed doors. And look, I still think that is the most likely scenario at this stage. Um, but if it has to go to points per game, then then so be it. It's, it's not an ideal situation. It's not the best scenario. But of the options, if you can't physically play the matches, I think that is 
the best of the the worst options, if you like. So it would be interesting to see whether they went down the route of of sort of waiting it for for home and away and things like that, because certainly I think West Ham would would drop in if that was the case compared to you know they would stay up if it was just purely on on points per game without taking that into account. So look, even if we go down that route, there's going to be arguments between which way do you do that and sort of which mathematical approach works best because it all comes back to one thing and that is that every Premier League club is only ever going to vote for something if it's going to be beneficial to them. There's no way that that West Ham would vote for something that would see them get relegated. So, yeah, it it does change things in in a sort of slight small way, but it certainly is a long way off being decided at this stage what the best way to go about that would be. And I think there's still a lot of, of barriers to get through before any decision is 100% confirmed. I can't wait to be sat here with our calculators doing the points per game maths and <laughs> doing the podcast on that one and as all trying to work out what's happening further down the table. But we've heard a lot then about the neutral grounds today, Gorsty. Doyley mentioning about the, the sponsorship issue, certain clubs who I think Aston Villa still would have six games at home left to play. Sort of talking about that home advantage, but sure, Surely, if you're playing, uh, if you're Aston Villa at Villa Park in an empty ground, it's not going to be all too much difference on, on a sporting level than playing perhaps at the Etihad or at Wembley or in a neutral venue. It isn't. It's not none at all. I mean, the only thing I can think of in a slight way is pitch dimensions, which sometimes you're used to playing on a certain pitch because you play there every week, you know. But that is the only difference. You're not getting any more of a, uh, an advantage because you've got your crowd behind you because there's no one there. So. I think, as Doyle alluded to earlier on, it all just comes comes down to money, and it's uh, the advertisers who, uh, you know, get their logo on cameras, Jordan Games, and uh, the likes of the Etihad and the Emirates that, that are actually named stadiums. But other than that, it's 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 a bit of a nonsense. So I think clubs that have been arguing for um, for the, their own pitches and their own stadia when there's no crowd there, it is essentially just come, comes down to money, like like so so much of the rest of it. And it does kind of leaves a bit of a sour taste when you think that these certain clubs are lobbying against relegation. Um when they've had they've already played twenty nine games, you know. It's um it, it does it, it all just comes down to money and it, it is a, a side of the game that, that we don't like to, to see and a, a part that is pretty prevalent these days, which is a shame. But um for me, it, it, there's no no crowd there to watch it. It makes no odds whether you're playing on, you know, Wembley or you know, Jericho Lane or whatever. It really doesn't make much of a difference. I'm going to be controversial here and disagree. I reckon that it does make a difference. I do. I think that just being around those, you know, familiar surroundings. When you think that, you know, uh, Liverpool got to go to Brighton, so Liverpool have to go to Brighton. You're travelling all the way there as well for a start, and you're playing in this stadium that. You've only been to possibly two, possibly three times before in your entire career, whereas these Brighton players are there all the time. It, do, it will make some sort of difference. And if you're at the bottom and the difference between staying up and going down is could even be down to goal difference, something like that, then you want to take advantage, you know, make the most of every advantage you can get. And I can see why they're not happy, but, you know, the bigger picture is more what's more important, playing the games or playing them in your own stadium. And I think... 
obviously everybody would rather play on their own ground, but if they have to play neutral stadiums, then so be it. Although, yeah, as we've obviously found out today, it looks as though there is a kind of a a consensus that everyone would rather just play in their own grounds because of what's happened in Germany, what is likely to happen in Spain and what's probably going to happen in Italy because they'll just look at them and go, how come they're doing it and we're not? Is that not due to the timescale of, obviously, the outbreak mm. in this country? But you, you, you saying there then, Doily, that actually you think it could be advantageous. I, I'd, I'd come back the other way and, Matt, you can have your say in terms of if you're West Ham United, say, for example, and you've got a 60,000-seater stadium and therefore... I'm not saying that the atmosphere is great at the London Stadium, but all of a sudden it's a completely empty venue. Surely that actually would be a bit unnerving for the players that are used to playing in front of at least some spectators and creating an atmosphere. I mean, certainly on a pitch like that, that is so far removed from everything, it would feel very hollow, wouldn't it? It would, possibly. Um, I think, for, for me, the bigger thing is... In terms of the home advantage, obviously you've got no fans and, and that doesn't make any difference. But I think it is more the travelling and, and the staying away from home in the hotel. I think that does make a slight difference. But the bottom line is you either play these matches potentially in, in neutral stadiums or don't play them at all, in which case you would lose your television money and, and all of that. So at the end of the day, these clubs you know, who disagree with this, they are going to have to make a decision one way or the other. And we've said it so many times, it will come down to finances as much as maybe they might try and dress it up as, as a footballing issue. I think at the end of the day, it will come back to the economics of it. And if the option is either to lose, what is it, £756 million in television money or whatever, there's only one option and that is to, to go with whatever the Premier League decides. So Look, in, in a couple of weeks' time, we might be looking at it in a different way. But I think, for me, the most logical thing is to just put aside the, the slight advantage that you might get by playing at home and, and just go along with it and get on with it and, and play. Because, you know, even if there is a slight home advantage and, the, you know, whether that's fans, whether that's whatever, so far this season, the, the teams down there are, are there for a reason. And you know, quite possibly West Ham, as you say, haven't really had that much of an advantage, it would seem, from the outside, even when they have had fans inside the stadium. So, yeah, it, it's a difficult one. But I think, ultimately, they just have to, to accept that these games have got to be played if they want to get paid. And ultimately, that is exactly what they want. That's the bottom line. The fact that the Premier League are having to go to the government this week and ask whether they can play in their own ground suggests, by definition, that it was the government who said you've got to play in neutral stadiums. It was yeah. the government and the police. So it wasn't even a Premier League decision in the first place. They'd rather not do it. So I think, obviously, the people in charge of the of the Premier League were, were hoping that the clubs would just go along with it. And in the end, they'd just turn around and go, no. So they're just basically turning around and going back to the government and to the police and just hoping that, that people will change their minds and help them out rather than the other way around. Yeah, do the government really want, as we were just saying before, even whether it be teams travelling different parts of the country, you'd maybe argue not. Final point that we'll get into then is player contracts. That was due to be something that was going to be sorted out today. As you said, Gorsty, already that whilst we're recording this, we haven't had word from the Premier League about what has actually been concluded on player contracts. But it does seem as though extensions beyond the 30th of June will be coming into force, therefore meaning a player like Adam Lallana would be available for Liverpool through whatever conclusion of this season would be made. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't know how easy it would be just to throw a blanket rule across all contracts because you're getting into 
contract law and unemployment law and all that kind of stuff. So that could be a little bit of a murky situation. But if it is as simple as just saying all contracts now run until the end of July, then you'd hope that that would solve everything and enable um, players to still be able to move as a free agent in the summer, but still complete the season with their current clubs. Adam Lallana is obviously Liverpool's big free agent this summer. Pedro Chiravella is the other one. Um, but other than that, Liverpool haven't been too impacted by this um, this situation that's maybe fallen um, on on a year that, that's slightly beneficial compared to others. But um, yeah, I mean, I, you'd, I think if you asked Adam Lallana now, he'd certainly want to finish his season with Liverpool, even if that meant that he finished the season as a free agent and he's on a rolling week-to-week contract or however it works. Not too sure, but... Um, yeah, you'd, you'd hope that there would be some kind of general rule of thumb for for everyone who's who's affected by this over the next couple of months. I suppose it's another issue, Doily, that all comes down to, to money again. I think that it's not so much money this time as it's to do with logistics as well, because you, and it's to do with sport and integrity, because you don't want a player who's out of contract on June the 30th going to another club on the 1st of July and then playing against, possibly playing against somebody who he was playing for literally two days earlier. I mean... This is one where there's a bit of common sense. The season isn't going to go on forever. I mean, it's possibly going to go on until possibly the start of August. And we're not just talking in England, we're talking everywhere. Can't see it going beyond that. Then the, then you've got apparently the, you know, the Champions League and Europa League games will get played in August. Then you look at the new season starting after that. So, you know, it, it's more of a problem lower down the leagues. But as they're all now not playing, then that, that it suddenly that isn't a problem. There aren't actually that many players in the Premier League who are out of contract at the end of the season. I think it's about 60 or something like that. So it's not, that isn't a lot really. And I'm sure the clubs between them, even ones that have got already got an arrangement, say somebody's decided to move abroad on July the 1st, surely someone can just say, you know, the, well, the FIFA have said that themselves, haven't they? said it months ago, in fact, when this first started. They said you can't just move in, in the middle of a season that the priorities with the parent club. And I think that's what... A little bit of common sense for once. Everybody knows this is just an era of compromise. Certainly for the the next, you know, for the foreseeable future, people just have to, you know, get on with it. Basically. Final point then we'll make it would be opening a can of worms before we do leave you for for Monday's Blood Red podcast. But Matt, I'll come to you. And if either of you, Gorsty or Doyle, want to have your say on it, you can. So on that note, then, if player contracts get extended, does that mean that? whether it be arranged transfers already or the summer transfer window then can't actually be happening until, well, even the start of what would be next season. Because Chelsea, of course, have someone like Hakim Ziyech lined up to come in. That's meant to be going through on the 1st of July. Would that then be against the sporting integrity to honour a, a, a deal that's already been struck? Yeah, there's no way that he would be able to, to come in and, and play the remainder of the season or anything like that. It would just be exactly the same common sense scenario as sort of, you know, Adam Lallana or whoever's contract coming to an end, it would just get pushed back, I think. I think, you know, this, the Premier League clubs, if they were to vote on that, there would be a consensus. I think that's a fairly obvious decision to, to make because, you know, there's, there's not really any other sensible option there. I don't think there's real contention in that at all. I think the, the interesting thing for me, just, just to go back for a second on the, the sort of contracts and that sort of thing, would be if there was say, a player who was looking to get his next big move. I don't know. I can't think of an example off the top of my head. But if there was a player who had in his mind that he wanted to move somewhere else, would there be a, a contention over 
if his contract, say, had to be extended by three weeks, they might not want to play in case they got injured or in case they picked up an illness or, or something which could then stop that next move. I think that is something that would have to be considered um, potentially. But look, the, the common sense thing would just be to to delay all of these things, whether it's free agents, whether it's contracts, just say, okay, it was it was meant to be the 1st of July. We'll, we'll just stick a new date on it. And just for this one-off period, I think people should hopefully, fingers crossed, accept that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a case of you, you register your players, don't you, at the, the beginning of the season, the same way you do when you're in the Champions League and there's no way that players coming in on pre-arranged transfers would be able to play simply because they're not registered. So, as as Matt says, it's just a case of common sense being um, being brought into play. Here. Sometimes we don't we don't see it as readily as or as often as, as we think we might, but um, it, it, there won't be a, a situation of players coming in during the summer and still having a part to play in this current campaign of the Premier League. I I also don't think it doesn't matter that the transfer window might only be two or three weeks because what have we been doing for the past two months? Telling me the clubs haven't been talking to, to people or, yeah. or there haven't been moves made by agents. This has perhaps been the ideal time just to sort. We've still got at least another three or four weeks before the Premier League starts, if it does. So it's the ideal time for clubs to start looking at, at whether they can sign players. That Obviously, there'll be some leagues. We know the French League's finished, the Dutch League's finished. There'll be clubs going and asking about their players. So let's not be too naive about this. There will be a transfer window. The actual window itself will be tiny in comparison to normal. But while we're certainly not expecting anywhere near the, the amount of money to be spent on players, there will be still be players moving around because there will be the ones who are out of contract. There will be the ones who've already committed to moving. There will be teams who will still, despite you know the restrictions we're expecting on certain clubs in terms of spending, whether morally they should do it, there'll be clubs who go, no, we really need this player and they will spend big. That's what's going to happen because that's just what always happens. So there will be, there will be transfers. There won't be as many, but... I wouldn't be surprised if there's some that are getting towards being concluded as we're actually recording this podcast. Yeah, well, that does wrap us up for this edition of the Blood Red podcast. And thanks to those of you who have joined us on YouTube as we've streamed the podcast live for you this afternoon. Hope you've enjoyed that. Stick across the Liverpool echo. As we say, the next two weeks could be quite insightful indeed as we find out when, how and where the Premier League season may be concluded. For those listening through our usual podcast channels. Thanks, as always, for your continued support. And if you'd like to leave us a rating or review wherever you get your audio on demand, that would also be much appreciated. But from myself, Guy Clark, Matt Addison, Ian Doyle and Paul Gorse, it's thanks for now and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.